Good morning, everyone, and welcome. This is our last convo of the year. Uh, there is chapel next week. Um, I would love if some of you would move in f- more closely. We're going to be a um, smaller group today, and as you can see, speaking from the floor. So encourage you to come closer if you can. The idea for today's convo um, emerged from Convocation Committee as we thought about our core value theme for the year, servant um, or service leadership, and wanting to hear from a, a few members of our community how they define this, who inspires them as models of this, and what they would challenge our campus to do even better when it comes to this core value that we hold so dear. So uh, Jim, President Jim Brenneman and I invited a group of speakers, and uh, we will hear from them in this order. We'll begin with President Brenneman, and then Malia Watkins, who is a senior marketing major, will speak before she rushes off to the airport for a conference. She'll be followed by professor of mathematics, David Hausman, and men's basketball coach, Neil Young. So I'm so delighted that these folks have agreed to share with us today. Uh, When Neil is done, I will have just a couple announcements. So let's begin with President Brenneman. Good morning, everyone. Today we'll be looking at the topic of service leadership. If you'll recall this year, we've been focusing on that core value and in our opening convo at the beginning of the school year, I noted that the core value servant leadership was an oxymoron, two words juxtaposed with opposite meanings like civil war, freezer burn, soft rock, or good grief would be all examples. I also wondered aloud at the time whether the word servant in the core value servant leadership is really the best word for our use today. The word literally derives from the biblical word slave. Given the stain of slavery in the United States history and given the fact that there are still some 21 million children, women, and other economic refugees in slavery around the world, perhaps it's time to retire the word servant. I would recommend we consider a simple switch from servant leadership to service leadership, since we already use the word uh, service instead of servant in our founding motto, culture for service, in naming our study service terms, and to promote hands-on service learning as a central to our liberal arts curriculum. So we'll think about that going forward. I'm pleased to share today the convocation with Malia Watkins and David Hausman and Coach Neil Young, each of whom I believe embody this core value in beautiful ways. For me, service leadership is a service leader is someone who leads and who serves by example. When I consider service leaders, my pantheon of uh, would be, of course, uh, service leaders would be people like Abraham Lincoln, Dorothy Day. Mother Teresa, Bishop Oscar Romero, and of course, Jesus Christ. But today, I simply want to nominate for this core value, my dad. May he rest in peace. Gaylor Brenneman, my dad, grew up on a farm in Iowa and left there at the age of 20 to do his obligatory selective service when he was drafted in World War II. He served for four years as a conscientious objector in the National Civilian Service Corps, first in the labor camp in Montana for the National Park Service, and then two years in Central Florida in the Department of Health. In Florida, he built 
outhouses or privies for the working poor who lived without indoor plumbing or running water. Dad used to joke that they called these outhouses houses of Congress, for obvious reasons, if you think about it. His experience working on behalf of migrant workers and poor African-American families living in the segregated South changed his life. My first real memories of my dad were when I was five, living in the segregated South. This was five years after the famous Supreme Court ruling of Brown versus the Board of Education, but before the civil rights and voting rights laws were passed. At the corner, where I later sold papers as an eight or nine-year-old, Dad pointed out how black people had to board the bus through the back door and sit in the back of the bus, some of whom were our neighbors. It was also a time when the water fountain outside the gas station down the block had a sign on it marked whites only. When the public, and when the public swimming pool, paid for by public tax dollars, was only open to white families of our country and our county. I'm currently a member of the service club Rotary. All Rotary clubs have a motto, service above self. It's a perfect summary, I think, of my dad's life, who was simply a nighttime gas station attendant with a GED high school diploma, never, who never reached the economic status to be able to join Rotary. His service wasn't a Rotary add-on to life, it was his life. Literally, and sometimes from my frustration as a kid, Dad seemed to care as much about everyone else on the block as he did his own family. It's as if there were no real boundaries of us as a family and them, all the others around us, also in need. He acted as if he was a social worker or a pastor, neither of which he was. By spending all his spare time helping others get jobs, get to their court date, visit them in jail, or running errands. And of course, whenever we weren't in school, we kids tagged along, learning by osmosis the way of service leadership, however untidy it was at the time. Dad led by doing, by doing and by example and by the good book. God knows he tried several times to lead in family devotions, you know, where you gather everyone again around in a circle and the family to read scripture and to pray. Well, in our household, it never worked. His and our lives were a bit too chaotic. So suffice it to say, we mostly just prayed at mealtime as a substitute for family spiritual nurturance. However, more significant to me was the fact that whenever dad got home from his late night shift, just at the time we kids were stirring awake and getting up for school, you could count on seeing dad sitting on his favorite fabric-worn chair in front of the window, reading from the big family Bible stretched out across his lap. Dad lived by just two commandments, love God, and he always said God, when you say that word it was important to him, and love others, period, end of story. Dad denounced racial segregation. He went out of his way to aid and abet the undermining of the discriminatory system of those days. With six plus mouths to feed and two jobs, he didn't have time to march on Washington or anywhere else for that matter, but he taught us how to subvert these laws as necessary to their eventual undoing. For example, 
When we went to the beach at the Courtney Campbell Causeway, which was quite often, Dad was a beach bum, if you will, Dad always took us to the so-called colored side of the beach, which was labeled as such, because he would remind us that no matter what the sign said or what the lifeguard said, this was God's beach and God's ocean created for everyone. And it was at that moment I also realized our white privilege in ways because no lifeguard could ever make us move from that side of the beach, whether they liked it or not. In defiance of his Mennonite upbringing, where voting was taboo, Dad insisted on voting as a spiritual discipline because where we lived, voting was an act of justice-making. At a time when segregation was so thick that to have African Americans in your home was not acceptable, other than as servants, of course, Dad and Mom opened our home and table to all comers, whatever race or creed. They didn't preach their convictions in overt and public displays of what we would call today social action as such, they simply lived lives of service, devoted to Christ and love for others. Our home was a home of, my dad called it, the future South, and or I would say the future North as well, because dad led us to truly believe in Martin Luther King's dictum, the art of the moral universe is long and bends toward justice. Like Jesus and the Apostle Paul, dad was an apocalypticist. He, like they, thought the world was about to end any day. And so he lived almost frenetically to bring a bit of heaven to earth for as many people as he could, for as long as he could. He led with his heart more than his head and always put service above self. In all honesty, I think the world did end for him sooner than expected because he died at an early age of 51. It was while I was home for the summer after my first year of coming to Goshen College, Dad had a cerebral hemorrhage while he was out delivering the early morning Tampa Tribune, as always trying to help make ends meet. I never got the chance to reflect with him on his understanding of service leadership. I do know that the day he died, he still likely had a full schedule of taking newly met stranger to get their meds, or helping a neighbor fill out their papers, doing his small part to break down racial, ethnic, cultural, religious barriers one day at a time, one specific act of kindness for one person at a time. In short, as the son of my father, as president of my alma mater, I know of no better way to honor my dad's example of service leadership than to wake up every day, day in and day out, with a sense of urgency to do what we can here on campus to break down any and all walls of prejudice and systemic racism, to keep on having difficult discussions about difference, those 3D discussions on campus, to recruit and grow as many, at least as many, faculty and staff of color as percentage of our diverse student body that we can, and we have nine new initiatives toward that end, and to serve others above self in all we do, so all of us are transformed by being part of God's wondrously diverse and beloved community. So here's to Gaylord Brenneman. Uh, may he rest in peace. Thank you. Hey guys, I'm Malia Watkins. Um, as Beverly said, I'm a senior marketing major and 
I don't do many service projects. I'm not like a person who goes volunteering often. But my definition of servant leadership is a lot different. Um, for me, it's the recognition of a problem and attempting to fill that need or that problem for the community. Um, so when I think of servant leadership, I think of taking initiative to do things that are different but would also help people become better at like any kind of thing. Um, and so this year I feel like I've embodied servant leadership pretty well. Uh, I don't, even though I didn't do any volunteering, I did, I'm on the hiring committee, the committee to, this year for uh, one of the high positions at this campus. And I bring diversity and I bring a different perspective for Goshen. And I work with Ken Newbold and Jim Brenneman and Kathleen Yoder. Um, and it's been amazing to do because I feel like I'm actually doing something for the campus. I'm making an impact for the people that are here, which has been my main goal in this entire year. Um, I also have been talking with Ken Newbold, who is our provost, uh, about some of the African-American issues that we have on campus and some of the things that have gone unnoticed. And I just, I'm very thankful that I've had him to talk to because it's been something that's on, been on my mind and like my roommates know that uh, at night I'll go and think about it and then I'll talk to my roommates and say, man, this is, this is not right. This, we need to fix this. We need to bring more African-American people to the campus. And then all of a sudden I'll be like, okay, 1 a.m., I'm writing an email to Ken. I'm going to write this huge email about like, all the things that I want to do, and everyone's been pretty receptive to that, um, that piece that I bring. Uh, one of the people who has motivated me to do these things is Dr. Tran. He's a education prof here, and he also works in different departments, but he goes unnoticed most of the time, but he's a really great prof to talk to. He basically talks to you about any controversial issue you want, and that's like really what I love to do. And for me, that's something that he is like a servant leader for me because he acts in a different way than most profs do for me. Um, and he also encouraged me to talk to Ken and talk to the people in Goshen to better the African-American uh, population here. And today I'll be speaking uh, later on, or not today, but Friday I'll be speaking on why community matters for millennials. And I recently talked to Ken about some of these things and what I'm going to talk about. And one of the things I noticed about our generation is that we, we don't like to look at the problems near us. We like to look at problems out there. So like... Um, looking at Palestine, looking at Israel and Syria, but we never bring up problems that are like around us. And I, I kind of want us to change that notion. And uh, one thing that Ken said that pretty much puts everything that I just said into a few words, that we, we look at the forest, but we don't see the trees. And that was a really powerful thing for me, and I really enjoy that phrase now. Um, and so I want to challenge you guys to look at some of the problems and actually do something about it. Because if you don't do anything about it, there's no point in talking about it. I mean, there is value in having a conversation, but 
why have a conversation if you're not going to change anything? Be, be better. Thank you. Hi, I'm David Hausman, and I'm a professor of mathematics. And I was very surprised when I got this invitation to talk about this. And I wasn't sure that I had anything to say. So I sent off a possibility to BevLab, and she said, yeah, sure, that sounds pretty good. And um, now that I've heard the president's remarks, uh, it will sound similar in nature, uh, because my, um, the, the people that I want to look up to are my parents. My mom, Ann Dudzik, was raised on a farm in central Wisconsin, and although the top student at her one-room schoolhouse was not permitted to go to the high school that was far away because her parents believed that girls who went to high school all became unwed mothers. My dad, Fred Hausman, was raised in Ohio and Pennsylvania, and he was able to finish high school. And on the side, he enjoyed building uh, and playing with radios. It's hard to imagine radios now in the internet age. Um, after a full day of chores. Um, both my parents uh, enlisted in the US Army during World War II and met while on leave while they were in New Jersey in some barracks there. A fiery redhead, Anne, had had several suitors in the past and, in fact, had had at least one marriage proposal already. So when uh, she went back to the farm in Wisconsin and talked to her parish priest, um, who then asked, so why couldn't you fall in love with a nice Catholic boy? She responded, because I fell in love with this nice Protestant boy. My parents seem to be good observers of the needs uh, within their communities and did what they could to fulfill those needs. Our yard was often the place where the neighborhood children played. Those home-baked cookies were a symbol of the welcome all of us felt. Mom volunteered wherever needed at our church, in the schools that we went to, and in the neighborhood. She brought food baskets to those uh, who were new to the neighborhood and to those who were suffering loss. She was my den mother in my Cub Scout pack, and she became an ardent recycler when that became my project in the local community while I was a Boy Scout. Because she was always around helping, she was often called upon to head up uh, a church committee or organize the school lunch volunteers. She was even asked at times to substitute teach, even though she had never gone beyond the eighth grade herself. My dad took his work responsibilities very seriously, perhaps a little bit too much. Um, uh, and, and you could go to the next slide. Um, as my mom would often tell him, God and family first and everything else will work out. Her patient daily example of living by this motto is likely what eventually led my dad to first convert to Catholicism and then to later give up smoking. 
Despite a large extended family, it was my dad who was the one who took care of lots of the extended family responsibilities, including dealing with uh, a sister who was having mental difficulties and eventually needed to be committed to a mental institution. And it was my parents who were the ones in the entire extended family that would actually go visit her and were the ones who helped bring her back into society when she was allowed to leave. Um, my dad's constant encouragement to his coworkers and subordinates to keep learning is what helped them keep their jobs as the telephone industry moved from electromagnetic switches to the digital switch. When my dad retired, there were hundreds who gave him thanks, and his replacement needed a master's degree. In retirement, he was called upon to lead the establishment of a telephone museum and a parish renewal program. My dad was my mom's primary caregiver when bipolar disease took over her life. My parents never seemed to aspire to leadership positions. Instead, they helped where they saw a need, and in helping, sometimes were called to lead. Um, we were supposed to talk a little bit about how our, how, in my case, my parents have led me to my view of servant leadership. And so I've seen this kind of pattern where I'm called to do some service and somehow end up leading. I see that pattern happening in my life. Uh, one day I'm asked if I would be willing to help out with a few matters at uh, a meeting of the Indiana Section of the Mathematical Association of America. And the next thing I know, I'm the section secretary. Next, all of a sudden, I'm their governor. And then all of a sudden, I'm on a national committee. And all of a sudden, I'm chairing that national committee. Um, I'm not a scientist, but uh, Stan Grove, early after I got here, asked me if I would kind of supervise a science Olympiad event. And so I did that for a few years. And then Stan Grove retires. And then Jody Saylor and I are now the co-directors of that. And now all of a sudden, I'm the state membership director. Um, Becky Horst sent out an email to faculty saying, hey, you know, the National Science Foundation has this grant opportunity. Anyone interested in helping to write? I was the one person who showed up at the meeting, and so over the course of several years, we kept writing and rewriting, and now we have a LEAF Scholars program that's giving scholarships to various people. Um, I like to sing, and uh, I'm willing to wake up early, so all of a sudden, I'm now the cantor at our 7 a.m. mass at the church I go to. So um, what, what I kind of want to say here is, is that I never thought of myself as a leader, and all of a sudden, this asking to do this talk, I said, oh, yeah, I guess there are things that people would say. Oh, yeah, you're a leader of this and that and the other thing. So I personally think that we need lots of people who aspire to leadership. Uh, we need people who think hard about what it means to both serve and lead our churches, our communities, our schools, our businesses. Um, but I also think that there is maybe a place for those of us that, who just kind of muddle along and try to serve, and then in doing that, end up being called to lead in a variety of ways. So I challenge those of you who are like me, who think, gee, I'm not really much of a leader. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe you could be, and uh, find the ways that you can use your talents toward beneficial goods in the world.
All right, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. Um, uh, that's a picture of my wife and my son. I'm going to talk a little bit about my wife today, but I included my son because he's awesome. Um, and I just like showing pictures of him to everybody, whether you want to see him or not, because that's what I do since I'm a new dad. Um, so uh, if you could ask Jesus one question, I don't know if any of you have ever thought about this. If you could ask Jesus one question, what would you ask him? I know what I would ask him. I would say, Jesus, what's the most important thing that I need to know to live a happy, fulfilling, and successful life? And because that's what I would want to know. Lucky for me, uh, in Matthew chapter 22, there's a guy who wanted to know the same thing. Um, he asked it in a slightly different way. He said, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? And Jesus, because he's Jesus, not only gave him one thing, he gave him two. He said, the most important commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He said, and the other one is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. So what Jesus essentially said is the most important thing is that you love God first, love others second, and then put yourself third. In our program, we have a saying, we call that living third. And it's something that we talk about, it's something that we strive for. Um, and the general concept is basically, if you, to live third, it can't be about you. Like if you make your life about you, then you're setting yourself up for failure. And so... This concept, though, of living third that I feel like we're called to is something that's very, it's, it runs counter to our human nature, right? So if you guys are like me at all, then your primary concern is you. I got to take care of me. I got to make sure I'm fed. I got to make sure I'm comfortable. I got to make sure I'm taken care of. I got to make sure me, 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 me. And then out of that provision, if there's anything left, if I have any energy left, if I have any money left, if I have any food left, well, then I will serve others. But what we're called to is, is something completely different. Um, it's to go completely opposite of that and put other people before us. And because that's counter to the way we are in our human nature, that's what makes that first commandment so important. It's that we love God first because it's out of that love for God that we will spend time with him and we will give him a chance to transform our hearts and renew our minds to make us into people who are actually capable of loving others and serving others in a natural way, as opposed to um, just sometimes. So to me, that's servant leadership. It's putting other people before you um, all the time. You know, I don't, to be a true servant leader, I think that's what it is. I think it has to be all the time. So the person to me that has taught me the most important lesson about servant leadership and embodied servant leadership um, more than anybody else in my life is my wife, Maggie. So this July, we will, we will be married for eight years. Um, and in, in our time of marriage, I've seen her in so many different roles, obviously wife, friend, teacher, caretaker, and then mother recently. Um, and when we first got married, you know, she was always so concerned with, you know, what do you want? What, what do you think? What's going to make you happy? Um, you know, what do you want to do? I was just like, man, I just, I think my wife, I think she might have some trouble making decisions. Maybe, maybe we need to talk about this. I don't know. Um, then as I, we continue to be married, I continue to watch her as a friend. She was always available to her friends. 
no matter what, no matter what the situation was, no matter what the time was, whether it was convenient, whether it was inconvenient, you know, to the point that, that I thought she couldn't say no. I thought she, Mags, you know, some, you know it's, I feel like you might be letting yourself get taken advantage of. You need to understand, you need to learn how to say no sometimes. You can't, you know, just do everything for everybody all the time. And then as a teacher, I saw her every night just going above and beyond for her kids doing so much more than what she was paid for, um, just, just going over lesson plans with a fine-tooth comb, just making sure everything was airtight um, so that her kids would have a better chance to learn and, and, and in turn have a better chance to be successful. And these are elementary school kids. And I just thought, well, she's just a perfectionist. Like, you know, she just really wants to get a good evaluation. Um, so then three years ago, I got diagnosed with cancer. And then 11 months ago, we had our, our son, Brooks, who's awesome. I don't know if I said that already. Um, and I saw her in the role of caretaker, and I saw her completely put her life on hold for me. And, and then I saw her go through the process of being pregnant, um, the process of giving birth, the process of um, essentially raising Brooks by herself due to my sickness and my immobility these early years. And just a side note, if there are any moms in here, it's a joke that, that mothers get one day and dads get one day. Uh, mothers should get a month. I just want to go on record. It should be Mother's Month and then like Father's Day. Um, your contribution is unbelievable. And just watching my wife go through it firsthand was was amazing. But anyway, so it was, it was during the last three years that, that I realized and that my wife unintentionally taught me this lesson and that she changed my life. And that's that to be, you know, she wasn't just this nice, sweet person who also couldn't say no and who also was a perfectionist when it came to lesson plans and also couldn't make decisions. That wasn't the case at all. The reality of the situation was she had the heart of a true servant leader and understood what that meant. And what that means is to be a true servant leader, you don't serve when it's convenient for you. And when you feel good, you serve when there's a need. And that's what she did. And that's what she does. And by doing that, she unintentionally completely changed my perspective on servant leadership which I always just thought servant leadership was something that you, you thought about and you did um, you know, when you could or when it, was, when it was convenient or, like I said, when you felt good. But if you think about what a servant is in the literal sense, servants don't pick and choose their hours. If you're a servant and your boss tells you to go get the dry cleaning, you go get the dry cleaning, whether you feel like it or not. You know, and, and, and that's what she did. She, she served regardless of her feeling and, and her uh, mood at the time. And that to me is incredible. And so, so how does this apply to you um, in this campus? How can we all strive to do that better? Well, I think there's one thing, and I, and I alluded to it a little bit earlier, and that's we have to have a connection to God. First John says that God is love. There is no true service and sacrifice without love. And so we need to make sure we're connected to the ultimate source of love on a regular basis. So I would encourage if servant leadership is important to you, if that's something that you want to be, if that's who you want to be, then I would encourage you to carve out some time every single day 
and just spend some time with God. Get alone, get in a quiet place, study the, maybe you study the word, maybe you sing some worship music, maybe you just meditate on some truth. Whatever you do, connect with the ultimate source of love. And in doing that, allow him to change your heart and renew your mind. And in doing so, I can guarantee you that you will be better positioned from a heart and mind standpoint to live the way that we're all called to live. And that's by putting God first and putting others second. Thank you. Thank you, Jim, Malia, David, and Neil, for your stories, your vision, and your challenges to our campus about how we can better live out service leadership as individuals and community members. I want to end with a reminder of uh, upcoming Convo events. We have a few more yet this semester, and so they are noted there for you. I also want to welcome your ideas for the Convocation program next year. So you can email me or talk to me anytime. Um, this is part of our core curriculum, um, and I welcome your vision for people you'd like to hear from, themes you'd like explored, and uh, um, specific ideas for convocation. And you can um, look in the communicator for the same link um, shown here to submit those proposals or email me. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful day. Thanks for coming. <laughs>